With two runners on base and a strike against her, senior softball player Sarah Tukalski of Western Oregon University uncorked her best swing of her career. She did something that she had never done before, not in high school, not in college, and here she was her senior year, and she hit her very first home run. Pretty awesome, super excited, and it cleared the center field fence. But the excitement soon came to an end when as she tried to round first base, she missed. So she quickly realized that she needed to go back and touch the base, and when she turned back, she fell down in excruciating pain, um, tearing a ligament in her knee. So she crawled back to first base. And when she got there, she, she laid there for a bit and tried to figure out what she was going to do. The first base coach told her that if any of her teammates came and helped her, that it wouldn't count. She would be out, and that would be the end of the play. The umpire suggested, well, you can bring in a pinch runner, but your home run won't count. It'll just be a single, and we'll, we'll just resume play from first base. Then members of the opposing team, Central Washington University, stunned their home crowd by carrying Tukalski around the bases so her three-run homer would count, ultimately ending their season. First baseman Mallory Holtman, an all-time home run leader of the Great Northwest Athletic Conference, asked the umpire if she and her teammates could help Tukalski. The umpire said there was no rule against it. So Holtman and shortstop Liz Wallace put their arms under Tukolsky's legs, and she put her arms over their shoulders. The three headed around the base paths, stopping to let Tukolsky touch each base with her good leg. She tore her ACL, and it, it sidelined her for the end of the season. Um, and it sent Western Oregon, their, their opponents, home, uh, losing 4-2. to two. In the end, it's not about winning so much, winning and losing so much. Holtman, the, the girl from Central Washington, said, It was about this girl. She hit it over the fence and was in pain, and she deserved her home run. Um, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for just the opportunity to be here. God, thank you for um, the snow and the rain and now the sun. Um, I wish it would make up its mind, but God, we're just grateful to be here. Thank you for the weather, um, and God, just thank you for this moment. I pray that everything that I speak today is not from me, God, but that it's something from you and that somebody in here today needs to hear it. So God, I just I love you, and, I, and we praise you, and God, just open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to what you have to say today. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. If you will, um, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 41. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter, you will find a colt there, um, with which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. 
If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went forth, went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he, knew, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyf- joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Today we're continuing our series, um, Unordinary. If you don't know, we've been going through a series called Unordinary um, with our tagline, Living the Upside Down Life. Um, so for those of you that didn't realize we were in a series, hey, we're in a series. For those of you that know, we're continuing it. Um, but so far we've looked at a bunch of different angles of what it looks like to live the upside down life, the life that is unordinary from what the rest of the world is living. Okay, And so we want it to be something where we can be transformed into the image of God and not conformed to what society wants us to look like. Following me? Right? You guys, have you guys caught that, that we've been talking about that? I hope so. Matt hopes so. Um, but the past few weeks, we've taken this idea and looked at it through the life of Jesus. We've talked about um, submitting to the will of God, right? We, Jesus was in the garden and praying to God, ultimately for God's will to be done and not his. And then we talked about the passive Christ, um, and just the, the strength that there is in, in being silent. Not just always being silent and never sticking up for what you believe in, but being silent and listening and using that as, as a strength. Um, and then last week we talked about the uncompromising Christ and how Jesus didn't cut corners when it came to following what God wanted him to do. Remember this? Is this coming back to you as a good recall? Um, so this week we're going to jump around a bit, but as you can tell, the title of the sermon is The Selfless Savior, um, quotation marks, the king who cares, in quotation marks. So it's a good title, I thought. It's also a plug for camp, um, because as a youth pastor, I always need to push camp. So selfless is the title of camp. You should go to camp. But we're going to be jumping around a bit, but since it's Palm Sunday, I figured that would be a great place to start. And you guys know all about Palm Sunday, right? People come in with the palm branches, they shout Hosanna, they sing praises, they worship Jesus as King, and as He's coming. And there's so many things that we can talk about in relation to Palm Sunday. At one point, Matt and I were talking about Palm Sunday, and I wrote down on my calendar Psalm Sunday. And there's a big difference between Psalm Sunday and Palm Sunday. Um, But today is Palm Sunday, not Psalm Sunday, for those of you that have spelling errors like me. But there's so many things we can talk about on Palm Sunday. Uh, We can talk about how 
God's Word tells us that people cut palm branches and wave them in the air and laid them on the ground and that the palm branches represented the goodness and the victory that was symbolic of the final victory that Jesus would soon fulfill over death. Um, We can talk about how Jesus chose to ride on a donkey, which directly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies found in Zechariah, and that it was common for kings or important people to arrive by procession riding on a donkey because the donkey symbolized peace. So those who chose to ride them showed that they came with peaceful intentions, and Jesus even reminded us that he's the Prince of Peace. Or we could talk about when people shouted, Hosanna, they were hailing Christ as King, which they were actually saying, save now, um, but through their own minds they, and they awaited this earthly King, God had a different way in mind of bringing true salvation to all who would trust him. And those are all three amazing things that we could spend a long time talking about. So hopefully you guys had your coffee this morning because we're going to talk about all three. Um, this, I planned it to be a little over an hour and a half. Um, so if you need to use the restroom, um, I'll, find, I'll fill out a hall pass for you. But sit tight, buckle your seatbelts, here we go. I'm just kidding. I just want to direct your attention to uh, verse 41. If you look back at, at, at chapter 19, verse 41, there's a very interesting point that I want you guys to see. Now, the stuff that I said about Palm Sunday, it's important stuff, and we can talk about it on, on another time, but I want you to focus on verse 41 today. So don't think that that stuff's unimportant, because it is important, but we've got other things to talk about. So verse 41, it says that as Jesus approached the city, he did what? He wept. How many other times have you heard that Jesus wept? One other time. So Jesus wept for Lazarus, and then he wept for the city of Jerusalem. Now, that kind of stands out. Like, there must be a reason why Jesus wept. And for it to be only pointed out that he wept twice, with Lazarus and with the city of Jerusalem, I think that we need to probably pay attention to that. So it says, as Jesus was getting close to the city, his heart was broken. His heart was broken for the city of Jerusalem. They were getting ready to celebrate. Like, they had the, the celebration ready. They, were, they knew he was coming. They were excited about the things that he had done and the things that he had said and the miracles he had performed. And all that was great. But Jesus wept because his heart was broken for them. Because they didn't understand. They didn't really understand. They were caught up in the hype and the excitement and all the things that was going on surrounding this celebrity of Jesus, but they didn't understand who he truly was. But Jesus cared for these people more than they knew. Jesus knew that even in the midst of the celebration, that there was something bigger going on. He knew that what was about to take place was more for them than they realized. I mean, he knew that he was on his way to the cross. He had predicted it a few times before then. But here he is approaching the city and weeping for them because they didn't understand. The celebration that was supposed to be all about Jesus, he was focused on them because he cared about them. Now, I want us to jump ahead a little bit. Um, 
We're going to look closer to the, the crucifixion of Jesus. So if you want, um, we're looking at Luke 23, 26 through 43. Um, now, as a disclaimer, there won't be any spoilers in this passage. So if you don't know the story of Jesus and you were thinking about coming back next week, you should still come back next week because we're not actually at the end of the story. So, for those of you that thought like, oh, he's going to give me the end of the story today and I can skip next week, you can't because we're only getting partway there. So Luke 23, 26 through 43. And up to this point, Jesus has been tried with Pilate. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. He's been thrown this way and that way and made fun of. And now he's on his way to Golgotha, the final place where he'll be crucified. So it says, As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that it never bore and the breasts that it never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now there are two things that Jesus says in this passage that I really want you to pay attention to. Just like verse 41 in chapter 19. The first is that he's literally walking the path to die. He's walking down the road. Someone is carrying the cross for him. He's bloody and beaten and going to die. And there's women there crying for him. And Jesus tells them, don't weep for me. Like, weep for yourselves. The dude is about to die and he's telling other people not to cry for him, cry for themselves. He knew what was coming to Jerusalem. He knew that, um, that it was about to fall and the temple was going to be torn down. But what was on his mind on the way to his death was other people. Because he cared for those women and knew what was coming their way. And then he gets to the, the part where he's being crucified. Nails put in his hands and his feet. He's, he's, getting, he's about to hang on a cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, in my humanity, in my personal life, I probably would be praying, God, please take away this pain. Or, God, please help this to go quickly. Or something that would be more focused on like, I mean, I'm in pain right now. I'm about to die. But Jesus goes, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. 
The dude is dying and he's praying for other people. He's dying and he's praying for other people. Like, how selfless can you get? How much can you care about other people to literally be at the end of your life and more worried about what's happening with them than what's happening with you? The thing is, is that it wasn't just this group of people that Jesus cared for. Jesus cares for you guys too. You guys know the verse, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. God so cared for the world. God so cared for you that He sent His Son to die. He cares for you so much that He sent His Son to die. And so this is the example that Jesus set, that in the midst of no matter what was happening, He cared about other people. He cared about those that didn't understand. He cared about those that were lost. He cared about those that were hurting. I mean, the dude is dying and he's praying for other people. And He calls us to love and to care for others like He did. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. This is something that is extremely hard for us to do. We live in a culture and a society that tells you to look out for number one. To look out for yourself first. And if you have time or if it's convenient or if you have a little extra money, like you can go and help somebody else. But first, but first, hold on, let's take care of ourselves and then, and then we can do that stuff later. But that's not what Jesus said as an example for us. That's not what He tells us to do. He tells us to love other people. He tells us to care for other people. I find myself falling into that trap more often than I realize. I get caught up in the busyness of my days. I have things to do. I have things that I want to do. I would much rather go disc golfing than sometimes going and sitting with somebody that needs me to listen. There's times that I do it all the time. I get caught up thinking about the things that I need to get done at home to get ready for guests to come, or I have things that I need to do with the, the new puppy. And like I don't even really pay attention to people when they're talking to me sometimes. Like, I can look at somebody in the eyes and have a conversation and my mind be completely somewhere else. That's not really caring for other people. That's not really loving other people. So what are we supposed to do? 
we live in this society that tells us that like that's okay like as long as you're like around people it's it's loving them it's it's good enough right we wouldn't want to be good enough we want to live this unordinary life we want to live the upside down life and so what do we need to do i think the thing we need to do is really be intentional and this is a a, a word that kind of like gives me like the, the weird vibes because it's a really buzzword right now. If you go to a lot of churches, they want to be more intentional. We want to be more intentional with this and we want to do more intentional conversations and have more intentional things for people so they can come and worship with us in our building and we have all these different things that we need to be intentional with. But I think the key to the church being intentional it's, it's not an effort to pay attention to people more or to create more programs that are directed at certain ages or people with the same interests. It's about truly caring for people. It's about caring about the things that they care about. The things that are happening in their lives. Intentionality is not an attitude change and it's not an act. True intentionality is a result of loving people like God loves them. So what can we do? We can pray. God, give us a heart that loves people, that cares about what they care about. Not just a heart that like will love people when it's convenient or when it's easy or when I feel like it. God, a heart that truly breaks for people when they're hurting. Got a heart that truly loves people and can rejoice with them when things go well. I think we need to make that our prayer. The second thing we can do is to, to look for ways that we can serve people around us. There's so many different people that need help. There's so many people in High Point that need food. There's people that all over the triad area that we can serve and that we can help out. But sometimes we miss it because we're not looking. So find a way to serve somebody. If you don't know how to find a way, you can ask Pastor Matt and I and we'll try to find a way for you. But serve people. And the third thing I think we can do is to ask what you want people to do for you and then do it for them. It's the golden rule, kind of. Do unto others as you would have done unto you, Right? Ask what you want people to do for you. Ask how you want people to serve you. Ask how you want people to help you out. But then do it for them. And if you want to take it a step farther, do it for them before they do it for you. Jesus loved and he cared for people. Even in the midst of him dying, when he's been beaten and he's walking down the path to die, and when he's getting crucified, his mind was always on other people. He loved them so much that even in the midst of all the pain he was probably suffering, he thought about other people before he thought about himself. And that's the unordinary life that we're called to follow. We need to care about other people before we care about ourselves. So I have some questions for you to ponder, and I'm going to ask uh, Matt to come up, and he's going to play a song while you guys just reflect and to think.
Or maybe you need to come up here and you need to pray that God would soften your heart and help you to truly love people like he loves people. So question number one, do you truly care for other people? Do you care about the things that they care about? Do you rejoice in the things that they rejoice over? Do you care about other people? Number two, when was the last time that you did something for another person knowing there wouldn't be anything in return? And third, when was the last time that you did something for another person when it was of inconvenience to you? When it ha- caused you to have to go out of your way or caused you time or, or something? When would it inconvenience you? I think it's extremely possible for us to love like Jesus loved, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take me a lot of work. It's going to take you a lot of work. But how, how much effort are you willing to put in? Do you really want to follow the example of Jesus? Or do you think, like, where you're at's okay? I'm okay-ish at this, so I'm going to just be fine. I think God calls us to more. I think he calls us to follow him and run after him wholeheartedly. And I think one of the things that God wants us to do the most is to care for people and to love people. To love those that are broken. To love those that are hurting. To love those that are lost. And sometimes we just are okay where we're at. And I think it's a result of caring about ourselves more than other people. You may be the only person that someone hears about Jesus from, but are you going to miss that opportunity because you're too busy and too distracted caring about yourself and not caring about other people? I hope not. Pray to God that that doesn't happen to me. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for what you've done for us, the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Um, God, and we know that that, that's not the end of the story, um, but it's a huge part of it. And so God, first of all, just thank you. Thank you for your love and your compassion and your kindness. God, that you would send your son to die for us. And then in the midst of him dying, God, you showed that you cared for us more than anything else because that's what was on his mind. And God, sometimes we stink at caring for people like you did. God, we get so caught up in what we're doing and the things that we have going on and the distractions and God, we just sometimes just care about ourselves more. So God, I just pray that you soften our hearts today. God, I pray that you start to work on us to love other people more. 
God, help us to care about the things that they care about. Help us to enjoy the things that they enjoy. God, help us to seek out those people that are lost and broken and hurting, God, and be your hands and feet and show them your love. God, this isn't something that we can really do on our own, but God, with your help and with your Holy Spirit, God, we can. God, we can love people like you love them. So God, I pray that we can start to love people like you do. God, I pray that we can start to care for people like you do. God, help us to not be discouraged knowing that sometimes we've messed up and made mistakes and God, sometimes we've just missed our opportunities. But God, I pray that we're not discouraged today because I know that you give us another chance at it. God, help us to not miss the next opportunity to love somebody like you do. God, we love you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I was lost. I was in chains.